0: You're listening to a podcast of Your Pet Matters with me, Dr. Michael Takewa, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on 1077thebronc.com.
1: When your fluffy family comes calling, you know you've got to answer because it's time for Your Pet Matters with our doctor, Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. Progressive Veterinary Care, making waves in pet health care. To access more information, go to ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. Your pets are in luck because you're going to get all the best tips and tricks to take care of your fluffy best friends from their very own lifelong wellness partner. So let's get started with Your Pet Matters.
0: Good morning and welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael, Dr. T. Takeiwa, and this is a very interesting show. I think it's the third time we're going to mention marijuana on the show in the last four years, Um, but this this is a really good one. So since since the show began so many years ago, legalization of marijuana and the derivatives are out there, and in the veterinary world, there's a lot of recent use of that, and so we're definitely going to talk about that. Um, That was the whole premise of me talking to my guest. Cassara uh, Andre joins me today from Colorado. So good morning, Cassara. Thanks so much for being on the show.
2: Hi, Michael, thank you so much. I'm excited to chat with you all today.
0: Yeah, and and we had a little bit of technical glitches getting this going, but it's it's worked out really well right now, so we're going to cross our fingers and hope that the technical gods are, are with us. Always um,
2: hoping for
0: the best. <laughs> but Cassara but why don't you tell us um, how you got into the veterinary profession and then tell us just about what you're doing right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I am a 2009 graduate from Virginia, Maryland. Um, in vet school, I commissioned with the military. So while I was in school, I was an officer. And then as soon as I graduated, I went through boot camp and had my first duty site and absolutely fell in love with working dog medicine. Anyone who's been working with working dogs just knows that's a very specific type of medicine, very specific type of animals and handlers and a really cool field to work. And um, so I did that for four years out of school and really had, that's, I would say that's what's directed everything that I'm doing now. It was introduction to sports medicine in veterinary medicine. And I really found myself needing more tools than I had with my sort of very Western trained um, background. You know, you have a working dog who's a super athlete, really, really healthy. And unless they Break a leg or cut themselves in the training field, what they need is stretching, conditioning, um, dealing with little minor aches and pains until they retire. So it's a really, it's a lot different than the pets we might see in a clinic that come in with a condition that we have to work up if we don't know what's going on. Um, So after I got out of the active side of the military and came into the reserve side, I really started to pursue acupuncture, rehab, massage, and that really formed a lot of the stuff that I do now in my. personal practice we run a co-working community for veterinary professionals so we are the office administrators for a lot of the small businesses in the area mobile acupuncture mobile rehab we have a lot of interest in hospice care from both the vets but also techs who want to do hospice pet settings so some really cool small business ideas but that also means that the population of animals that we deal with and all of our members deal with tends to be senior tends to be hospice, and also tends to be pet parents who really are interested in alternative medicine or aren't getting the results they want from really heavy pharmaceuticals or seeing a lot of the side effects. So last year, there was so much interest just from the clientele and a lot of unknown on the veterinarian side, but what do we say? What do we answer? How do we advise our clients that are asking us these questions? So really, as a community, we decided we just need to get together and talk about this, and we don't really know, but let's it all be on the same page. Let's at all, let's just talk together and see what's going on. So that was last year, and we held our first uh, cannabis and veterinary medicine symposium, and it was such a blast. We had so many participants, so such engaged audience. I learned so much, even as a lecturer from the audience and all the questions, uh, and it's just grown from there. We are working to be a, a scientific view on cannabis so that the veterinary community feels like they can come to one place and not have to sort through loads of information but still feel like someone with scientific back background has vetted the information you put out on the website.
0: Okay, so so I've got a zillion questions for you. so so number Jeez, one I'm ready for
2: no,
0: no, Number one, so before we talk about the the cannabis aspect, number one, are you an army brat or why did you do the army route?
2: I'm not an Army brat. I, my grandfather was um, military. He's a, he's a veteran. But really, other than that, I don't have military in my family. Uh, I was always interested and really wanted to be able to serve. Uh, but school was always my forte. It was what I loved doing, was really good at. So I um, did not enlist kind of at that break point when you're kind of deciding what, what you're going to do, which direction. So I went direction of school, veterinary school, all of that. But then my during veterinary school, my academic affairs advisor was a retired army colonel, and we spent a lot of time just talking about his experiences and he felt it would be a really great avenue for me to try out and it was I was very interested. what a great opportunity to do what I loved veterinary medicine but also serve at the same time so and it was two thousand and nine you know the economy was in a pretty bad state, so and I knew that general practice wasn't really what I wanted to do, so it was just a really great fit and served a lot of things that were important to me at the same
0: time. Well, I, and, I, and I have to say this on, on behalf of all the listeners and so forth, thank you very much for serving. Thank that, you. It,
2: it was my privilege, absolutely, through every piece of it. I'm, I'm very privileged to be able to have done that.
0: Okay. And then, again, moving towards the cannabis, but but part of what you're doing now, so can you clarify? So it's it sounds like you're a hub that just kind of supervises home hospice, um, home home visits. Whether they involve just regular medical care or not, and uh, and the technicians right. as well, is is so. What what yes. bred I'll, this idea? I'll shift
2: that just a little bit to say our business is supporting the practitioners. Okay. So when there are in Colorado, especially, there's just so much interest in home-based, mobile-based, um, house call medicine. But once you, as a veterinarian or a tech or, or whoever it is, steps out into that small business world there's a lot more than just practicing your medicine or whatever you're doing. And you don't have the infrastructure that, say, that has in a, in a hospital as a staff veterinarian. So we, we are working to be that hospital manager. We take care of ordering, um, so inventory management, patient records, um, do, can do follow-up calls, reminder calls. Um, we have a tech that we sort of share between all of us. So it is a true co-working space, but very specific for the veterinary world and hopefully provides a um, assist to all the people who want to start their own small business in veterinary field but maybe need some support or some cheering a cheerleader a cheering squad behind them while they go for
0: it. no that's a very unique business model I think I think that's awesome and and so it, it in the Colorado area is it, it do is it just a a client preference or demand or is there a physical reason is there a lot of uh, open space and driving that that then allows for this sort of Uh, mobile model. I mean, don't get me wrong. So I'm in Jersey where there's huge population density and there's a huge increase in the mobile (laughs) veterinarians themselves, but they're all independent on their own. There is no, there's no support system. I think that that's what is unique about your business model. Yeah. I I,
2: I think it's a need that's everywhere. And we would love to, to take the model and do satellite clinics because again, all of our vets, all of our people stay very independent. It's their businesses. We are just supporting them giving them a framework to function in. I do think Colorado is unique. We just love our pets here. Everyone loves their pets. Dogs are everywhere. Cats are part of the family. So I think that that shift of the pet parents to really wanting home-based care is really big here, and the
0: veterinary community has just moved to fill it. No, that's awesome. And when did you start doing this? Uh, Let's
2: see, June 2016. Wow. Was okay. our open date, so we're pretty new in the co-working community with
0: you as well. No, it's a, I, like I said, that's a unique business model. And it, it was something I was dying to ask you: what, what you do when you like, you know? So you're dedicated to the well-being of the veterinary community, I'm going, is this wellness or is this something? So I thought that was. <laughs> what really... does
2: that exactly mean? No, that's great. And, and we we intentionally make it uh, a little bit vague because we believe that by caring for the well-being of the practitioner, which we see our role as. Those practitioners are better able to care for the well-being of their patients. So, as a whole, we feel like the veterinary community, the veterinary industry, has a better well-being because of the PC.
0: No, and I think that's—I think that's great. I think that's great. And so, how does it work? So, so your your support system, and then that. Let me use a mobile vet just because I'm sure. most familiar with that. And so, does that mobile vet still have a relationship or a home base for? you know, surgeries and everything like that. So say they're not equipped for uh, x-rays and MRIs or whatever. Is, is there a home-based relationship, too? Or are you, are you part of that? Are you part of that network as well?
2: We, we are part of that network. So there's no restriction on what the vet can do. If they love a clinic they're working with, that's fantastic. But a lot of times it can feel kind of awkward to walk into a clinic that's busy and running and they have their own schedule just to, like, look at a slide just need to use their microscope for a second, but a lot of times it just feels like an intrusion. So we have a microscope available, dye available, the vets don't have to carry it in their car. Um, We manage accounts to all the big laboratories in the area, so if you wanna, you know, IDEX and ANTEC are really big here, so you wanna send one to both, but don't wanna manage accounts for them, we'll send it out for you. Uh, We don't yet have a surgery suite, but we'd love to have that soon, but still on that as needed basis we've contracted with clinics in the area for their radiograph suite so instead of the vet having to negotiate and how much is it worth and who pays and when do I pay and all of that they just let us know that they need that clinic space and we'll arrange the time send a tech to meet the vet there to help restrain or talk to the animal so really we're just trying to take the mess out of the business piece and let the vet do what they want to do.
0: Brilliant.
2: Brilliant! It's so much fun for us it's It's absolutely a blast. I mean, we hear about so many cool ideas and feel like we're able to help them blossom because we can lower that threshold to getting started just a little bit. Recently, we just brought on a bookkeeper that just gets shared among everybody, so those costs are really low. And that's been huge for all of our people. Bookkeeping is just a headache a lot of times, and it's really scary to know where to start from. So I think having a person who deals with lots of these businesses of the same model, who knows what you need, Knows how to talk to you. You know, we chose her very particularly for the personality that fit with our community. So, yeah, we're just trying to identify things that stop people from fulfilling their dream and following their passion and trying to make that take that out of the way.
0: No, that's awesome. My bookkeeper before she moved to Pensy, she was she's well, she's still around. She's almost 90. Sharp. <laughs> wow. She she ran the show, man. She was my boss, and and I used to tell her I said. Muriel, you are the most valuable team member I have, especially right now, tax time. So it, it's wonderful. But, but that's great. So um, I, I know the listening audience is waiting for cannabis, but we have to take a short break <laughs> right now. We're going to take a short break. And after these messages, then we'll, we'll come, we'll talk about the, the, the good stuff. We'll talk about the good stuff. You're listening to your pet matters on 1077, 1077, the com.
1: Time spent with our pets is never wasted, but that's why it's important to take the time to care for their health. And right here's the best place to do it with Your Pet Matters. So let's bring it to their lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, and let's keep their tails wagging with Your Pet Matters.
0: <laughs> well, welcome back to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael, Dr. T Takiwa, and my special guest, Kasara Andre, is here. And we had a wonderful discussion about which led to a bunch of talk at the break. But we had a wonderful discussion about her history into veterinary medicine and actually what she does, which is an incredibly unique business model. So, um, you know, in the Facebook postings, our postings, we'll put contact info for Kassar so that if you have any questions, you can definitely reach out to her. Um, And don't forget, you can always listen to this podcast on iTunes as many times as you want. Um, So it'll be up there as well. But uh, right now, as I promised, we're going to talk about the good stuff. We're going to talk about cannabis. And, and I, in Jersey right now, our governor's trying to legalize uh, medical marijuana. Um, it's something that, in my experience in Jersey over the last year or so, we've seen an um, increased influx of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. When it hit the news, we started seeing more pets getting uh, you know, marijuana toxicity, we call it literally getting high on marijuana. Um, and I'm sure everyone has a funny story to tell about that. Uh, but but it, it's one of those things that I think that th- the beneficial use, the medical use of some of the active ingredients in there are really coming to the forefront. Um, if you're familiar with the human stuff, they, they talk about Parkinson's patients uh, getting control of their muscles after um, utilizing marijuana. They talk about cancer patients and pain, chronic pain sufferers having... Um, benefits from that and so we're using that in the pet world as well. It's a little bit in its infancy. Um, but I'm sure in other places like Colorado where um, it's been legal for several years now almost 4 years that they have, they have a bit more. They're kind of ahead of the curve versus what we are here in the East Coast, but it's coming. Um, so so we wanted to talk about that because we we talk the way we look at it on the East Coast is that once medical marijuana comes to the forefront we're going to just be dealing with dealing with uh, marijuana toxicity in our pets, but I think it goes a little beyond that. So I'll, I'll let Kasara talk about her experiences with that and, and where she comes and where, where she's thinking in that aspect, right, Kasara?
2: Thanks, Michael. You, you actually brought up a really good and point that I, I like to talk about and focus on first in most conversations um, is that being behind the eight ball. So maybe there's a perception that Colorado has you know, had legalized cannabis for a while, so we must know what we're doing. <laughs> I think that's not true. <laughs> there's so much that we have to learn, so much we have to figure out. But from the veterinary side, what we're really seeing is there's so much information from a sales perspective, from a marketing perspective, that that's really all that's available or easily available to pet owners and to other veterinarians or anyone who starts that journey and just just being curious about medical cannabis for animals. So. I do think that the veterinary community is behind in supplying good, solid scientific education to ourselves, but also our pet parents. And that's really what we're dealing with, is this substance is easily accessible to a pet parent. And yet we have no, we have a lot of veterinarians who are uncomfortable talking about it or don't even know what they would say or or start or may just shut the conversation down. And we just feel that's a really dangerous balance that you have pet owners who want information that vets either don't have or don't aren't comfortable giving it and then a sales community that is very willing to talk about what they want to talk about. And that's just a dangerous dynamic there. So our goal is to just make sure that good solid scientific information is available to those who are curious and start providing some framework for the, the veterinarians and the whole community to start to start talking about it a little bit.
0: Well, so so what what is what is the process there? Are are you dealing with um, you have to write a script for this and
2: yeah, give it great to the great question and one to really really emphasize, uh, cannabis in in every part. So all cannabinoids, including CBD, which is a big fallacy that a lot of marketing companies are spreading around. CBD, THC, all cannabinoids, all of that is Schedule One. DEA considers it Schedule One. Every veterinarian that has a DEA license we do not prescribe schedule one substances but that's just like physicians we have the same restrictions abide by the same laws but in states where uh, medical marijuana was legalized there was specific wording written into those policies saying that human physicians could recommend cannabis to their patients but veterinarians weren't included in that so as a vet we have to be really careful about the language we use because we are not authorized to prescribe. This is not something that we can prescribe. We also really shouldn't be using the word recommend because it it means something very particular on the legal side. But what we absolutely can do is educate our clients and we, we view it and formulate it as harm reduction. So again, there's that dynamic of pet owners can obtain this and utilize it without our guidance so we need to be at the forefront of providing that harm reduction education. So the owner has to make the decision. They have to initiate and say, I'm going to use a substance for my animal. But then that opens the doors and the vet can say, great, you're gonna do it. I'm gonna make sure you're gonna do it safely and yep. avoid a lot of that legal gray ball. No one really knows what's going on. Correct.
0: Along and, and along those lines are so, is it like Prozac, where where the human clientele had Prozac, recognized things in their pet, and started just giving their pet, uh, like I'm just thinking of dosing and so forth. So if if I have a legalized um, prescription for, you know, medical marijuana, and I see my pet may may have some chronic arthritis, I'm gonna go, oh, let's let's try that. It's not gone. Are the days in high school where you get the guys going, <laughs> right? It's not that. It's it's something else, and. Then, I can tell you stories about that, but uh, you know, it's, it's 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 one of those things, right? So is that how it's happening right now? That that's what we think. Okay.
2: Um, you have a population of people who are seeing
0: benefits for themselves,
2: and then seeing similar issues in their animals. Why why wouldn't you try to do something that makes your pet feel better? But can, cannabis is powerful. It has a lot of interactions that can be really good. But if we don't give some guidance and do that harm reduction, we're going to start seeing more intoxications and we're going to lose the opportunity to work with cannabis just because people who didn't necessarily know all, all the possible interactions were trying to make something up themselves. And that's nothing bad about them. It just means that we as a veterinary community need to make sure they're doing it safely.
0: Absolutely. Wow that's interesting so what what's the most common thing that you see right now with its use as far as a, a negative thing are you seeing toxicity in pets are you seeing
2: if if an owner uses cannabis in a very um, safe thoughtful intentional way we I can't I can think of one that we saw some bad reactions from the GI and I think it was more the product formulation than cannabis itself I mean that is there's so much we could talk about on that side, just how processing and all that goes into it. It is when um, it's real an irresponsibility on the pet owner side that an animal will get intoxicated. So a party situation and they leave something out on the table. Well, candos seems to be treated carefully. If you wouldn't leave it out when your niece or nephew or grandchild was around, or son daughter you don't leave it out when your pet's around either if we're going to treat it as a medical substance we need to recognize that it is powerful it is strong and
0: take those same precautions and is there a huge demand out there like here here not so much that i can see but but out there is a huge demand to use this
2: well you know michael i would actually say i think what we're seeing is just people willing to talk about it because i would say as the vets are more comfortable saying, are you using a CBD product, like including it on their history, more people are willing to say, yeah, I am trying it for my animal, without us knowing about it. So my suspicion, I don't have a way to back this up, except as what we're sort of seeing here, is that many more people are utilizing it and just not talking about it when they they feel that there's more of a stigma, or that it um, maybe isn't legal in their state, or their vets don't want to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Um... You gotta send out those survey monkey surveys, anonymous survey monkey surveys and get those answers. Yeah, no, that'd yeah. be very interesting. <clears throat> no, that, that's uh that's that's interesting.
2: But we don't we don't tend to see uh, the intoxication that you mentioned and you know every vet is familiar with in when it's when it's used in that medical context. As well as, interestingly I I think as we, as the human side learns about how to interact with cannabis, we are seeing less intoxications because it's not. um, There's more of the medical grade, a, a more even distribution of those cannabinoids instead of the very recreational ones that have a lot of THC and really throw an animal off balance. Now, I do think I absolutely think THC has a place in animals, and I love helping a pet parent put together a plan that uses all cannabinoids, not just one specific one. But if you are gonna see side effects, it's more likely to come from a THC. So again, it's that recreational piece that if an animal gets a hold of, is going to have the problem. But I, I think we see that coming down as the people become more experienced with and wiser. About
0: it. Yeah, instead of using it as the fun stuff, we're gonna use it as the real medical stuff and go for it. Yeah, exactly. we're gonna take the fun out of it, people. <laughs> it, have some good well, well, right now, we'll, we'll take a short break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about cannabis. You're listening to Our Pet Matters on 1077 1077 thebronx.com.
1: Time spent with our pets is never wasted, but that's why it's important to take the time to care for their health. And right here's the best place to do it with Your Pet Matters. So let's bring it to their lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T at Progressive Veterinary Care, and let's keep their tails wagging with Your Pet Matters.
0: Welcome back, and if you're just joining us, we've been talking about medical marijuana. So now the number of hits this video should really just be. Right but, but my special guest is Cassandra Andre. Um, we're talking about the education and the proper use of medical marijuana in pets, and she's in Colorado, so she's had more, it's how we say, legal exposure to this because um, you know in Jersey we're still fighting for legalization of medical marijuana. Although I don't know how this happened. And I don't want to know how this happened, but someone I know got some medical marijuana for their own pet they're thinking about doing it. there's some avenue that they could get it here in jersey and so i don't I don't even know I don't know I know nothing but 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 one of the, one of the struggles that Kassar is facing is is getting the word out to properly educate, and part of that is in order to get the word out, you need some form of uh, some form of, you know, it's a nonprofit, but you want to get some form of uh, uh, backing to get pamphlets out, to get the education process out. So, um, and additionally, as, as she discussed in the previous segment about, you know, controlled substances are listed as certain schedules um, that, that enable things. It's very difficult to do some research on some certain controlled substances. So she's got some ideas and we're going to talk about that. But if you're out there listening or viewing um, and, you know, even pet parents. If you're interested and you have a pet that can benefit from the use of medical marijuana and there's a lot of situations that it will work, and I think you're going to see more in the future as the research continues, definitely take a listen to what we're going to talk about and see, see how you can help out as well. So, so Kassar, why, why don't you talk about what your ideas are for helping to educate the general populace on this?
2: So first, first, just providing an avenue for the educa- the resources that exist to be found. It's a really difficult thing to sort through the internet. There's so much information there, and not to say it's all bad, but there is a lot of sales pitch in the stuff that you'll read. So being as unbiased as we possibly can be, sorting through all the stuff that's available, and making them available in one place. And again, trying to filter that with... Uh, as little bias as possible, so that when people come to look for information and, and look to us for that, they can feel we are tr- we are working as hard as we can to separate fact from sales pitch. Uh, that's tough, especially as we really don't have the, the research information that we need on cannabis in companion animals. Now, what's what I really want to emphasize is we do have research in humans. We have research in Animals, just not dogs and cats. We have lots of rat studies and mice studies. So, as veterinarians, you know we're really good at extrapolating. We do that on a lot of other drugs. We do that in a lot of other situations. So, I think that, again, we talked in the other segments about we can help our pet parents navigate this world by comparing human studies and studies in animals that are not dogs and cats. And we're the best ones to help them monitor for toxicities or good benefits. But what we really need is research. And that's difficult because we are dealing with the schedule one nature of the substance as well as all the media hype. It's it's not just about it being a schedule one because there are ways to research that, it's all the unknown and the gray area that surrounds cannabis legalities. Right now, we're in a situation where a lot of the government funding is not available, a lot of the normal research pathways just are not really willing to step out into that world yet, but we have to have it. So we would really like to take the direction of reaching out just to the community and saying, we know this has to happen, let's think outside the box, what are we going to do? Uh, we'll, we will be pursuing crowdfunding to just say if you have, if you believe in this, if you've experienced it for yourself or for your pet, or if there's organizations that want to support, let's let's do it. Let's put our money where our mouth is and get some of this research started. But it's slow moving. We have to go really carefully and make sure we're abiding by all all laws that are out there. But this needs to happen
0: no it, it's it's funny because I'm, I'm thinking of things like um creating funding names like freepot.org or whatever <laughs> things like that but uh go fund my pot you know it's like it's like it's things like that but but it's it's what blows my mind is so i i'm in an area where there's a huge pharmaceutical basis in the east coast mm-hmm. here and there's a lot of money if you're a pharmaceutical company there's a lot of potential money to be made from this stuff um I think of any potential drug that has beneficial uses. So I'm surprised that they're not trying to do some research or maybe they are I'm just not talking about it, I don't know. But I, I think it's almost- That, one of those that is that
2: possible. That's kind of happening on the human side that there is research going that's just trying to be fit into the pharmaceutical landscape. And it that's tough because it's a plant, you know, it's the herbal category. And I I, I agree with you, I think big companies who are used to sponsoring these big research projects just need to think outside the box and widen their horizons. This is a huge area that no one else is providing services for. And maybe it's you, (laughs) maybe that company just needs to be a little bit different and take a stand and say, we wanna support this research because we believe in the after effects.
0: So any entrepreneurs out there wanna start a business that can do research on medical marijuana for pets? Trying to come up with a name. I can't come up with a name right now. <laughs> only the GoFundMe pages. Only the GoFundMe pages. But it's it's one. Well, of I those will things.
2: say what we're hoping to do this October. So this will be our second year of holding a symposium, just of bringing people together. We're really hoping to make this year that big networking event, where the people who are willing to say, "I want to do something. I don't yet know what that is, but I think I need to act and make this more accessible and also more wisely." available and not just haphazardly done, um, we're hoping to bring them together in October in Colorado to, to make those connections and to actually get something started.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And what any way that I can help just spread the word, just let me know. Like I said, whatever links and so forth, we'll definitely put them on our page and, and get out there. It's, it, it's funny. Yeah. You're in high school and everyone's talking about how bad pot is and stuff like that. And now, well, now I'm aging myself. <laughs> More than, more about, than 20 years protection. later, maybe you know, more than really 30 years It's really about later.
2: How, how you use anything. Yeah. Um, you know, you think about how many of the pharmaceutical drugs that we use very regularly in a clinic, we, we just know what their side effects are. The way we see cannabis work is so interesting and so wide throughout the body, um, really safe to use, and also complements Pretty much any other treatment the animal's undergoing just supports the body as it goes through that. So this is absolutely something that we need to have in our tool belt while making sure we keep the animal safe from the intoxication that is possible at, at a certain level of the drug, at a certain dosage.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. I'm thinking, like say, if you're out there listening, I mean, you make a, you make a drug injectable uh, that smells like Band-Aid, and, and it, we use it all the freaking time. So you can do something with this. You can make this, uh, this work. You and especially that? for
2: those companies that are really wanting to say, we support the entire well-being of the animal oh, yeah. instead of just our product. I think that's a great sphere for them to reach out and say, we just want your animal to be better. Right. I think
0: pet parents would respond well to that, and the veterinary community would as well. Yeah. No, I think it's great. And I know some pet parents will respond better than other pet parents. <laughs> and I can tell you stories about that as well. But it's, it's – it's no, it's just I, – I, I joke, but I'm serious. I'm serious that, that the, the use of medical marijuana is – the benefits are going to be out there. Definitely, you're going to see them in research format, uh, proven. So we really yeah, have to get serious.
2: it's really um, the pain arena that we see it most immediately be effective. There's so many ways to use it, but something that just blows everything else you have out of the water, as well as complementing every other pharmaceutical, acupuncture, rehab, massage, all of that pain especially nerve pain that intractable chronic pain we just see just like in the human side right it scores so high and that's really why pet parents pursue it as well as have the most positive this has changed my animal's life yeah we we didn't talk about that in the beginning but that's why i started down this path with my own cat my 16 year old decrepit you know ibs her whole life arthritis but you know, she won't let me touch, I can't acupuncture her, I can't massage her, she has bad kidney values, all of that, but I started working with her with some cannabis and it has changed her life. She will jump up on things now, she will eat stuff she shouldn't, you know, she's just, she's still 15, but it ha- it has given her a new life, and I really, at the base of all the stuff we're working on, I really just want other pet mommies to see their older pets have that couple of really
0: good years again. Yeah, and it's and, and, and so I would I would agree with you. I think especially the, the cat world. You're, mm-hmm. you know, they only recently uh, said that Tramadol is you know, now we're proving that Tramadol is effective in cats, but there's very little for some reason, and I guess it's because cats are great hiders, a lot mm-hmm. of the pain management have been led to the dog side, but so so you have opportunities for the cat side because yeah, cats do get arthritis people. you know there's a reason why they don't jump as high or they wipe out or you don't see them move as often and the other side the dogs a a friend of mine has a dog with severe spondylosis Mm -hmm. and we're we're on everything we're um physiotherapy laser therapy acupuncture whatever meds i have in my magic bag I, i pull out and stuff like that but i think we're we're gonna come up to a point where we have some limitations and uh and I'll, I'll be talking about the use of uh, medical cannabis for this as well. But yeah, I think there's yeah. lots of opportunities. So
2: one of the most amazing—sorry, go ahead. I no, answered, no, no. I was
0: gonna. I was gonna say. We one, can...
2: one of the really amazing things that cannabis does, even without its own pain control properties, is extend the life of and the and the use of other drugs we're using, and that that we know just in cytochrome P450 in the liver. We know which animals have it, we know which you know how it works, we're really confident about that. We see it be utilized in the metabolism of cannabis. So it's just just basic, there's a cue, there's a line. And if the body has to metabolize cannabis, well it's going to keep those other pain meds, those other seizure drugs. And that's where you have to be careful because you wanna make sure you're watching the levels of the other drugs you have on board. And that's really where, um, even if a vet's not comfortable actively making a plan with an owner, really talking about it, they need to know that their patients on a cannabis product because the other meds they're using will be affected. And it can be in an amazing sense, we can get those dosages lower, we can really do some good work. But if they don't know, that's really where my concern is. We might see some toxicities from a really normal level of those pharmaceutical drugs just because the vet didn't know what was going on. They really need the whole picture.
0: Makes complete sense. What we'll do is we'll take a short break and we'll come back and maybe we'll switch gears after this. But we'll we listen to Your Pet Matters on 1077-1077-thebronc.com. 1077, 1077,
1: Time spent with our pets is never wasted, but that's why it's important to take the time to care for their health. And right here's the best place to do it with Your Pet Matters. So let's bring it to their lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. And let's keep their tails wagging with Your Pet Matters.
0: And we're back, you're listening to Your Pet Matters. And we've been talking about medical marijuana. And it's you, so my special guest, Dr. Kasara Andre, is here to talk about that. And what- one thing we wanted when i said switch gears in the end of the last segment is during the break we talked about technicians and the fact that they 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 come to a point where they feel limited in a practice and we we're talking about different avenues that they could go for and things they could do within a practice setting so you don't have to leave the profession um, you know we've had tons of shows about wellness and one reason for tech leaving is that wellness aspect, but we're work- we as a profession, we're definitely working on that. But from a career standpoint, you don't have to leave a regular day practice, for say, you don't have to go into specialty, you don't have to leave the profession and go to pharmaceutical industries. Um, there's opportunities within the practice itself. And Kassara will will definitely talk about that. I think it's, I, she brought it up during break, I thought it was phenomenal. And we can also link that to, and in a, in a good way, link that to, to the use of medical marijuana, right? We are talking about it the break, right? Sorry.
2: Yeah. So, Michael, there's kind of three big areas that I would love to see the tech world expand into because I think there's so much room for professional curiosity. It's so interesting fields to work in. Um, the first we mentioned briefly with our coworking community. We see a lot of, um, not a lot, a few, and I'd like to see more. Tech's be interested in doing more of the house call really well-trained pet sitting. So connecting with clients in the hospital, they know exactly what's going on, they know exactly what the pet needs To be able to do pet sitting for a critical animal at home really gives those parents peace of mind that that person coming to check on their pet knows what's going on, knows what meds should be there, and also knows and is qualified to make a call if they see that animal in a bad situation. So we kind of refer to it as hospice house call because that's the, area we tend to see it in, so those more critical animals, but there's so many ways that you could utilize that. Post-surgical, you know, it's not really good to put the animal in the car with those barely healing bones and take them to the clinic. That could really be the realm of the tech to check in by video call with a vet. You know, there's so many opportunities with tech these days that we, technology and technicians, that we need to utilize better in the veterinary field. So that's one. Um, We also, I'm the director of an animal massage school here in Colorado, and we see technicians come through and get certified as animal massage therapists all the time. And it's so good to see them implement that immediately post-surgical. After any anesthesia, kind of get that out. uh, For the fear-free clinics, massage is such a good thing to implement. So lots of ways to, to utilize that. And then last, with the real point of the day with cannabis, We would really like to and are working actively writing some curriculum for technicians to be cannabis counselors, but they're the ones that the pet owners really interact with to make that plan. But the vet has this oversight, knows every drug the animal's on, really gets to see the trends, see the positive and negative trends, But that's what we ask our techs to do anyway, to make that, take that history, how's the owner doing, how's the pet doing, and then give the synopsis to the veterinarian to make those bigger decisions. But we'd love to see the techs be more involved in really understanding what's going on with the animal and giving that client education that they're so good at.
0: And it's interesting because every aspect that you've talked about, if you ask the client who they would trust with respect to taking care of their pet, especially if they're away (laughs) or whatever, they would trust the technician no offense, to any. I know some wonderful, wonderful pet sitters, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's something just affiliated with the fact that they are affiliated with an animal hospital and have that Absolutely. education and training that, especially if your, your pet is ill, is, is someone's going to you know, be more more prone to accept the technician as it used to be. And,
2: and they have the resources that if something goes wrong, if they come into the house and the pet's doing really poorly, Again, there are definitely roles for pet sitters in healthier young pets. That's, that's fantastic. But do they know what to do? Where are they going to take that animal? Which clinic are they going to take them to? What are they going to say? Do they know the animal's history? So there really is a place for those technicians to fulfill a role even outside of the clinic.
0: And one, one thing I wanted to ask you, so, so you talked about massage therapy, you talked about acupuncture. How about Reiki.
2: Yeah, we, so I didn't mention it too much just because that's not in any of our training programs. Um, it's something that I think has, I think there's something there. I don't know what it is, and I, I want people to evaluate it a little bit more scientifically, but I don't think we turn our nose at it. Just like we, no one accepted acupuncture 10 years ago or a massage 10 years ago. And if we just are a little bit more open minded, we can find a way to research the stuff that we don't even know what it is. So I think we shouldn't discount it.
0: No, that's great. Uh, And I always, I always think of. I I did a little acupuncture course when I was in vet school, and our teacher was our large animal surgeon, Art Ordenberger. If you're watching or listening, Um, so we did. uh, We had the horses um, come in, and I tell you, I was blown away. Mm -hmm. I was blown away by. um,
2: They respond so well. Same thing to massage. They are such good responders to massage.
0: And so that really changed changed my viewpoint. So anything that's out there, I mean, Reiki to me right now is just what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? And, and you know, it's <laughs> what's like- What's
2: going on? Yeah. But Michael, I, I think that's because the practitioners right now don't have a good language to describe what's going on. So that means that people from a little bit of a different background, they're like, I don't I don't know how to talk to you. I don't understand what's going on. And so the first step is just to put language that we can communicate with each other and then start to examine and watch and observe and be scientific about it.
0: Perfect, you, you summed that up so perfectly. Well, Kassara, thanks so much for being on the show. Time is up. When you have a good conversation, time just flies like this. So, um, well, if people have to reach you right now, what's the best way to reach you? Uh,
2: Look for general information just at our website, veterinarycannabis.org. If they want to email me, info at veterinarycannabis.org will come to me, and I can help them find whatever resources they're looking for. But really stay tuned to our website because that's where we're trying to put all the information as we
0: gather. it. Awesome. Awesome. I'm starting to lose my voice because i got a cold, but but thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Michael. And we'll definitely put those links up there. And remember, everyone, love your pet like they love you, unconditionally. Have a great day.
1: That's all for this week's visit with your pet's lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T at Progressive Veterinary Care. Progressive Veterinary Care, making waves in pet health care. To access more information online, go to ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. And be sure to stay tuned to 1077 The Bronx every Saturday at 10 a.m. to keep up with your pet's health with Your Pet Matters. Only on 1077 The Bronx.